एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड अनिकॉर्न sure you would have heard the famous saying software is eating the world and this has never been more true than now in the new normal where remote working is the norm rather than the exception in order to make remote working successful companies need to invest in a robust platform to manage all things hr and the leader of that pack in this space is the hyderabad based darwin box Rohit Chennamaneni quit a lucrative consulting job with McKinsey to start Darwin Box. But boy has that bet paid off. Today Darwin Box is present in 60 plus countries with 1 million plus employees served and was the first company in India that Salesforce invested in. Here's Rohit talking to Akshay Dutt about his journey to scale. I never knew what IIT was till I got to my ninth, right? Because uh, I mean, I was so focused on tennis uh, that uh, I was like, okay, whatever, right? Like engineering, I have to do, not IIT. Or I didn't know what IIT was or PITS was and all of that. So suddenly, when I decided, oh, I have to do academics very seriously, then it was like, okay, IIT coaching and all that uh, uh, started off. Uh, I did give it a shot. I couldn't make it to the IITs. I got a uh, like a four thousand plus rank, which I was getting a metallurgical in some uh, some IITs. So I said uh, I wanted to do mechanical engineering, uh, and there was no big reason for that. I just loved physics, and uh, somebody told me mechanical engineering has most physics, and uh, that's how I ended up in uh, VIT Velour, uh, and that's when I joined uh, Velour for mechanical engineering. uh what i ended up doing there was mostly tennis and organizing fests uh so it is not like i did a lot of mechanical engineering uh but it was it was good fun it was the first time for me in a hostel and a uh, lot of new things to do because it was a large campus uh and uh, very good focus on extracurricular activities as a college so uh, so that uh, kept me busy i, I was uh, quite excited about doing all of the things i was the captain of the tennis team uh, we used to win tournaments so it felt like a little bit of extension of school in a way uh, because i was just playing tennis and uh, studying there as well um and uh, yeah i think that's that took me to a point of final year where i was like okay now i have to decide what i have to do next uh, right and then oh, you have the usual placements i got into ge um, after my campus and uh, then there was a, like a good 6 month break post college uh, before joining uh, in that year and uh, while i was in hyderabad uh, there was a friend of mine working at google uh and uh, google had just opened a big campus in hyderabad and uh, of course everybody knew google then as the blue white blue chip company right and uh, he called us for lunch and this was like a big show off thing right because i have a friend <laughs> and he called me for lunch and the huge spread buffet and all of it and uh, when i went in uh, it felt uh, as if uh, like one wonderland right it was like this <laughs> chocolate factory kind right it was this Soft drinks everywhere, chocolates everywhere, good food, etc. And it was Google, right? Like everybody talked about Google. And then uh, I was like, okay, I'm a mechanical engineer. Is there a way to get into Google? Um, and uh, that's when my friend said, there's a there's a role of a search analyst, which needs a certain bit of coding, uh, but mostly math, uh, right? And uh, 
So then I was like, okay, I, I want to apply for this. Uh, I applied for it. Uh, interestingly, uh, for every role, they had about seven interviews at that point of time. I don't know if it's the same today, uh, but uh, they had seven interviews uh, before I got selected into Google. What was different from one interview to the next? So, so I think they were checking for consistency one. And second, uh, and I, I became an interviewer later at Google, um, uh, while there are other elements which are more tangible, uh, they had an element called Googliness. And uh, Googliness was basically if a Googler felt like somebody they want to work with. Right. And uh, of course, there's there's next levels of saying, OK, do you want to spend uh, time working with this person, meeting this person every day, etc. as questions to define that for the in- interviewer. But that's that's what they were checking for. Uh, right. So I had a I had a meeting with uh, somebody who li- reported into Larry the last uh, interview. Uh, and the 30 minute interview was about I think there was a cricket match which was very popular the previous day. And I was explaining to him why cricket is so popular in India. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and it was just 30 minutes of just that. Uh, and uh, that was the last interview and I got through. Uh, so, uh, I do think uh, it's quite powerful how they maintained culture, Google, uh, as a company. And I think one of the reasons they are able to do this also was because of this interviewing process and then the onboarding process. Uh, so many levels of check before somebody gets in that uh, they were uh, quite consistent with the kind of people they were hiring. I, I don't know at the scale that it is now they were uh, they are able to do that. But uh, at least at that point of time, uh, for somebody who is coming in as an individual contributor just of college, seven interviews with uh, final interviewing being with the, uh, with the, the SVP who reports into uh, Larry Page. Uh, right, it was quite a big deal. Uh, right, I was super nervous, and the thirty minutes was out talking about cricket. Mm. In a way, this is very much uh, like the the Google approach to problem solving. No, in terms of crowdsourcing feedback. The, I mean, how does their search engine work? It works through data from crowd, like a large crowd, and therefore the results are always relevant. So this would be similar, like you know, in terms of have a large number of people interview every person and if overwhelmingly people like him then he's a good fit probably probably that was what uh, they were doing and uh, the the exciting part uh, akshay was when you enter the google office um, in uh, hyderabad right so there is a large screen and real time uh, they give you the search queries that are being searched it just it's a rolling thing Right, and it feels very powerful. Uh, right, just sitting there and watching that happen—that it's the whole world. And this is this is like 2007, uh, where Google was like almost like the default place for internet. Right, there was nothing else you would do on the internet, and uh, and uh, it was quite powerful. So I was super excited uh, to uh, get into Google. Uh, probably I put in a lot of fight for that as well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So why did you decide to like quit Google and do an MBA? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, two reasons. Uh, I'd spent about three years uh, there actually in Google. Uh, also spent about six months in Google Ireland as well. And uh, I think the biggest reason was monotony. All right. Um, uh, probably something that has been consistent for me in terms of making choices. But uh, 
I find doing different things more exciting, which is, which is again, I'm articulating in hindsight, but uh, it felt I was doing same things at a larger scale and larger scale, but repetitively doing same things. That was one uh, reason. Uh, and the second one was uh, I used to uh, head the CSR for the Hyderabad office. And as an India CSR team of Google, um, they, we had come up with an idea of a Google bus. Um, and I'll tell you what Google bus is, right? And it's an interesting uh, concept. So this was in 2009. Uh, uh, Google had this mission of uh, bringing a lot more people online. Now, how do we do that in tier two cities was the problem statement. And this could have been done both as CSR and as a like a business proposition. So on the CSR front, we were like, what can tier two people benefit from internet? And we need to go to the tier two towns and talk about it. Villages was a distant away, right? There was no geo then that internet has penetrated there. But tier two towns had internet. So uh, we conceptualized a thing called Google Bus where it's just a bus which had a satellite on top so it, it connects to the internet wherever you are at that point of time and they used to have kiosks within the bus right like so 10 kiosks which had just like a uh, browser and uh, a search engine on top of it what uh, we used to do is take this to smaller towns go to the busiest part of the town and have people come in and we explain to them how internet helps them now, what was interesting is uh, we did this on the road for a few times and then we passed it on, we outsourced it to other people. But when we did this, what was super exciting for me I, uh, was the part where every person who comes in was a different person with different backgrounds, right? So somebody was a farmer, somebody was um, like a vendor, somebody was like a retailer, somebody was uh, a mechanic. And we were showing them saying, okay, uh, you're a mechanic. See, these are the new technologies that people are doing globally to fix something what you just need to do is search for this and we used to do this in their vernacular language to explain to them so both language wise or wise english wise this was so this i found very very interesting uh, right so how do i sell a story to every individual who was coming in to get them excited about something and when I came back and articulated this to my manager and all, he said, oh, this is marketing, <laughs> right? So I was like, oh, let's do marketing. Uh, so that's that's where the seed of MBA or marketing came in, uh, right? In, into my mind and said, okay, I want to do marketing, which means I have to do an MBA. So, um, and I gave my GMAT. Um, I was ready with my uh, scores and records and everything. Uh, what also parallelly I used to do is every year I used to go write CAT. So it was like this November, third Sunday ritual for me. I just used to go and no prep, nothing. I used to just go and write CAT. And that year was the first time it became uh, computerized CAT. So probably because of my GMAT experience, um, I cleared it in that year. right? In, uh, and uh, so that's when uh, B-School calls came and I ended up in IM Lucknow because I wanted to do a two-year MBA and it was in hand versus me applying to com uh, colleges in the US, all that. So, so that's how B-School happened uh, and that's how I Am Lucknow happened. And in I Am Lucknow also, first six months, I was very clear, only marketing, right? Like uh, all the companies I applied for my summers were marketing. I got into Procter & Gamble for my summer internship. So very, very focused on saying I, I want to do marketing, finance, etc. I will learn, but marketing is mm -hmm. why I'm in this college. Mm -hmm. uh, did you, 
was i am lucknow also like your engineering days like you know a lot of extra curricular activities and yeah very similar uh, very similar akshay actually a lot of extra curricular activities again tennis constant thread right like i think after a point of time people don't play so much that uh, uh, right like you just have to pick up your racket and you will be in the college team at least in b school it was the case <laughs> right so and uh, then used to have this inter iim contests and inter uh, inter up contests and all of those and used to go just play right uh, so you get attendance for that we had a minimum 75% kind of attendance in some classes so you get attendance for this which was a reason you can go play and get attendance uh, so that was there and then there were other things that uh, i was doing on campus uh, but the other uh, exciting thing uh, on uh, campus uh, akshay was uh, these night outs and group projects which again was something very new for me because uh, all my life i was this sleep by 10:30 11 kind of a person right like uh, always had sport or something happening so i used to be very tired and sleep and this whole waking up in the night and doing projects and last minute submissions and all that and i never had those time pressures probably in the past uh, right uh, was something new uh, again interesting and exciting because you're working with different sets of people uh, different project groups and all the pain of those project groups right some some people will free ride some people don't want to do certain things all those things you have to make all that happen so you learn quite a bit in those things more than what you learn in class and that's what i figured in b school is is all about peers and i had a very nice peer set uh, who were all excited about marketing or uh, problem solving in general and uh, so that was a good uh, good time because uh, you had to present almost every day there was certain presentation right and you're never pre- well prepared right yeah. so <laughs> managing those presentations has taught me so much in life right where you you get curve balls from the professors and you re- try to react in a certain way so that you're both answering some part of it and then managing the expectation at some part of it uh, which was uh, which was quite interesting uh, were you generally the group leader in groups that you i was the presenter uh, i was never the group leader i was the presenter because uh, uh, like i was generally calm when it came to like tough situations uh, <laughs> okay. so so when it was like a very tough professor or a very angry professor they used to put me in the front and it just became a habit so i used to be the guy who used to present whatever was made right it was good bad ugly i used to present <laughs> okay okay right and make up stuff on the fly sometimes <laughs> so that i picked up while i was there but not the group leader definitely uh, right the group leader always used to be the ones who were the most diligent right because they used to make sure things happen right i was not the one who make sure things happen i was make one who make sure this presented in the best format possible and in my head that was also marketing right like that was sales and marketing for me i was like oh i have to uh, present it in a way which is accepted by the professor and like how does the professor perceive this it always goes in my mind on oh, what is the other person expecting it kind of uh, thing so that worked you uh, know so why did you join mckenzie and not like a fmcg because see marketing typically leads to fmcg jobs i mean people who no no i did so summers was my uh, marketing internship so i was in png in singapore um uh, working with some of their brands on a few country launches and i really enjoyed it uh, right and uh, the only worry i had akshay was uh, i i got a preplacement offer as well once that was done was a similar situation to uh, google happening which is after 2 3 years i find something monotonous 
uh, right and that was the worry uh, and that's where when i mean uh, when i was thinking about it right after you get a ppo in b school you are basically sorted right like people don't even attend classes so i was like okay now what now what right like this what is the next challenge right so then i was like okay i mean let me at least figure this out because till that point i've never thought about career right because google just happened uh, then b school happened and then uh, obviously i wanted to do marketing but never thought okay marketing means that i'll be a brand manager for so many years then i'll grow into something and then all that right so never thought about like that uh but then uh, when uh, second year after getting the ppo i started thinking about it then consulting and uh, what was interesting is all my seniors who went to consulting were the most popular in campus and the ones i enjoyed my conversations with right and i was like okay why did these people go to consulting and then when i when i asked them the next level question they said hey one thing is definitely about range right like you you get to work with different set of functions in different sectors in a very short period of time right and that seemed interesting so i, I did my little bit of digging understood uh, mckinsey bcg bain all these in in more detail uh, got uh, some more sense spoke to people who've been there done that kinds uh, right and everybody talked about work life balance but everybody liked the job right so everybody liked the kind of work that happened but everybody complained about oh, so much travel and work life balance and i was like completely okay uh, right so one thing i uh, i did a lot while i was at google was travel so which is personal travel so i i mean obviously again you think that work travel will be as much fun as personal travel uh, because you know, <laughs> once i started doing this work travel then i realized okay this is not as good but uh, personal travel i enjoy and that's another passion of mine like uh, solo travels photography all these i used to do and i picked all of that while i was at google and uh, uh, so anyway coming back to the uh, the post uh, b school thing then of course right mckinsey means again you need to prep on case studies and uh, case or problem solving and all that all that happened got into mckinsey uh, and uh, i think yeah so that's where the switch happened where i said okay what would keep me excited for at least a foreseeable set of future right which is again 3 years 5 years whatever that number is and uh, consulting was clearly the one at that point of time right uh, multiple set of problems you learn a lot in a very short period of time you get to work with really smart folks and all of that right so so that was how mckinsey happened and uh, was it i mean generally campuses have some sort of restriction no in terms of saying no to offers yeah so <laughs> <laughs> that was another uh, part of the story uh, which is i had to say no to png and uh, and to sit for uh, mckinsey or bcg or any of the other consulting firms right and uh, that was extremely painful uh, right because every second person on campus said you're an idiot <laughs> to give up a png offer right like uh, and uh, it, the, those choices are tough right because on one hand uh, you know that there's something in hand and something obviously you like doing right because i enjoyed my internship but the on the other is like this fomo which is uh, not like a short term fomo but a long term fomo saying okay people get into consulting firms out of campus but not in between and very rarely they do that right so so that's what i had to weigh 
and the only thing i told myself is okay if i get in great if i don't get in it's a story to tell right like it's okay well, let's see uh, and that's where i had to give up an offer uh, and of course if i didn't make it then it would be a very stupid decision <laughs> always but uh, no that happened in uh, i mean it's the second time that happened uh, with me actually actually i had to give up my ge offer because google takes two months to interview right so there was a joining date which i had to give up and again i was told the same thing i was hoping for getting lucky twice and i did luckily uh, right so it was quite crazy that way uh, but in a way um, uh, like i did enjoy a lot uh, my stint at mckinsey so i'm happy i took that call so, this is like a like a player's mindset no like as a person who's who's playing tennis you are constantly weighing risks and taking calculated risks right i mean you know that which side will the ball fall towards and then proactively anticipating and taking those risks so i guess that kind of comes through in your career choices also like taking these calculated risks probably probably because i think the, uh, all my competitiveness i attribute to uh, my sport uh, that i play right tennis and other sports that i play because generally in academics i was never very competitive uh, right like while i i i scored well in grades it was never the motivation was never competition right like i want to get first rank or a second rank but in tennis so you are on the play you are like always thinking about what happens next like you said right like uh, uh, should i should i lob should i drop should i uh, hit it on the baseline should i go for the second service so all of those things uh, come into play it probably is i mean you, you've articulated it interestingly i've never thought of it like that i i guess uh, you know as a accomplished player you also develop confidence in your risk taking like you know you you are able to say this is a risk but i'm pretty confident it will work out I, i i guess the more you play the more you get that confidence of taking these calculated risks probably and also you get used to losing right i, I think uh, what sport definitely helps and it helped quite a bit is uh, it doesn't make losing such a bad thing Uh, right so you i mean you lose so many times right so they, i don't think there will be anybody who's just won all their career right like they, they must have lost so many times and uh, just you you get comfortable with the idea of losing uh, right what happens with this zero one kind of outcomes that are there is that like uh, you're so uh, and you've experienced it the, for the first time or for the first few times uh and you lose out on let's say uh, right i mean maybe i didn't get through iit for example right it just never felt like oh it's such a big deal right it would have been great if i did but it was okay uh right so uh, that the whole idea of uh, losing becomes much more comfortable i think with sport mm 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 right okay mm. so tell me about the mckenzie stint like you spent a fair amount of time there uh, i think your longest stint as far as a job is concerned was at mckinsey so what was that like so mckinsey uh, again i think uh, uh, the second day i was at uh, uh, mckinsey and i was going through training and there were people sitting in the room and we were getting our emails for projects hmm. and it said uh, hey uh, your first project will be so and so uh, company and it will be based out of lagos okay <laughs> and i read it as laos and i was like oh yeah southeast asia all right uh, and i was i was telling my uh, the other people who were going through training saying hey mine is an international project it's in southeast asia etc 
and then i was like okay maybe let I, it says lagos and not laos and then i googled where is lagos and it's nigeria <laughs> and uh, i was like the joke of that uh, that training <laughs> session, right like everybody was sending me uh, news articles about like uh, people shooting at flights in africa and like <laughs> all those things but uh, like inherently i was super excited uh, right uh, because um, see mckinsey will probably take good care so i was not too worried about life and all those kind of things uh, security and all uh, but i was just so excited about a new culture uh, because uh, my best 6 months at google were also when i was in ireland because i mean you you're getting both right you're getting culture and you're getting to do uh, interesting stuff on the work so it just combines it very very well uh, right so this again i i think i had uh, uh a great time the first 6 months and i i think two great things about mckinsey that came out in that 6 uh, months right so one uh, the language right one of the worry i used to have is hey i'll go learn what they do in africa when i come back to india i'll probably be irrelevant right i mean when i get into my second project i might not be uh, that good or whatever right like or i might be doing things in a different way where the african consultants or there were european consultants also on that project uh, right so i probably not understand the india way of doing things but what is great is it's super consistent the language uh, right uh, the methods methodologies i think they've mastered the art of replicating that across teams so you bring any four people in mckinsey together and make a team they'll get that basic toolkit correct right whether it is the language whether it is the way of problem solving whether a way of communicating whether may of making presentations all of that what is the mckinsey onboarding like they must have got a pretty strong onboarding actually contrary uh, to that akshay they throw you in the deep end there's only two day training okay okay wow so okay. Uh, I, the training i was talking about was exactly two days right so one was um, excel advanced uh right one was uh, powerpoint presentation uh <laughs> training and the third one was ethics code code of conduct and all that's it and uh, how did this compare to google's onboarding google was great right google was like three months of honeymoon period where you had nothing to do but trainings and chilling and like it's it was very different right like they just gave you the three months to say okay soak in completely and then start and a mckinsey was like just deep end right direct um so i remember uh, uh going to uh, uh my manager on the first project uh and uh, he said why don't you this is the proposal why don't you have a conversation with the cmo of that company to say hey uh, uh this is what we propose what do you think are the thoughts how can we modify this and it was given to me right and i took it and went to him and he had a cabin and all and i went in he said um, um uh this is an african gentleman so he said uh, hey rohit let's talk two days later right i'm quite busy this time and i went back like i mean obviously what right you go back to your manager and say hey i spoke to him he said two days later he said i need the answer by tonight <laughs> that's it and then i was listing problems right like no he has this board meeting two days later he has to prepare for it uh he needs to do this how will i go in like that how can i barge in yeah all that right he said okay you told me the problem now give me the solution also right so i said okay fine let me go figure this out so then what i did was uh, uh, i went to his minus 1 i traded with him first then uh, while he was leaving office i was waiting outside his office 
evening. So while he was leaving office, I said, I did this with your minus one. He okayed all this, but he want one check on this. Can I walk you down to the car, right? Like where we can discuss this. And um, yeah, we finished that and this thing, right? And that's that's how I learned, right? And there are a lot of things I learned, but I think one of the big things, and I was talking about, I was going to talk about the second one, uh, right? They tell you, okay, problems are there, right? And problems are everywhere. Come up with solutions, right? This is a bad client is not listening to us. Come up with solutions, right? What can I do for the client so that they appreciate our value addition and then help us out, right? What can I figure out so that I find time with this person, right? There are situations where I drove with the client to airport just to get the 30 minutes with them, right? So I think uh, that part is super helpful even in the entrepreneurial journey, right? Like, okay, there will be problems. How does uh, McKinsey build that kind of consistency, which you said that put any four people from McKinsey in a room and they'll find common ground. So how do they do that then? When, When their induction program is like a two-day induction. Yeah, so I th- actually, uh, the induction is two days. What they do after that, Akshay, is every six-month interval, they they put a training program where they talk about all of this, right? They talk about how to build relationships. They talk about how to re- solve problems, right? How they talk about how to present better, etc. What happens when you do this, right? You, one, get to learn from experiences of peers, from across the world, right? And these are international programs, uh, right? On what they've experienced over the first six months or the first 18 months or first 24 months, depending on the cohort. And then they get experts to make sure you learn about yourself first. And a strong belief in McKinsey is you need to know yourself first to know what you need to do to service a client or service uh, anybody, right? So that part was very helpful because it always helps to learn from a place where you've already experienced this and you're trying to improve it rather than giving you like a toolkit at the start of it and saying, do this. It's like doing an MBA as a fresher versus doing an MBA after working. Like you get more out of it if you work first. Absolutely. So So everything that was spoken about in that class, I could relate back to my first project or second project or third project. Oh, this happened in my third project. Oh, I should have done it like this. Okay. Okay. So very, very practical, uh, implementable uh, training. That That's like their approach towards upskilling their people rather than doing very classroomish kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that is what is the reality, right? Like, because you can never be perfect in a McKinsey context, because the problem statements are changing, the sectors are changing, the people you work with are changing, right? What you need to master is actually how do we manage different situations and solution for different situations. And that will only come with saying, okay, I have experienced something in that situation. Out of my toolkit, if I used this, it would have worked better. Hmm, Okay. So uh, what were your like highlights of that whole stint with McKinsey? Like the things that you remember the most? One of the things we had done was um, we started off a Hyderabad office, for example. Uh, We started a digital practice while there, right? And all of this as an associate or a junior engagement manager, I could drive. 
right it was not about somebody senior coming and doing this obviously you need some support but very entrepreneurial in terms of okay i want to develop this client and i think this client will have this problem uh right we can have this together right so we were the first ones to serve in 2014 or 15 the two unicorns at that point of time in india right and we never knew right and i i served one of them uh, I, and that obviously um, actually uh, is an important part of why darwin box happened as well um, right but uh, while serving them mckinsey is all about iterating to get to the best answer soon right startups are all about take an answer try fail go to the next answer right so it was so different trying to serve a startup because they didn't have the patience right when you when you uh, in a traditional mckinsey context what happens is the associate or the em the team comes up with an answer right um gets more data to validate the answer or triangulate the answer then goes to the partner and the partner pushes back hard till all the assumptions are tested and the answer stands and then we go to the client right and this probably is a one week process or one month process depending on the complexity of the problem or the scale of the problem right uh, in uh, the startup that we were serving uh, the scale of the problem was large but the speed at which they were executing was hey uh, why can't we ab test this hey why can't we just try it out right why can't we put some money behind this and see if this works or not right so it is so different that the whole model of engaging had to change where we said okay each team member will work with somebody like a person at the client and when there is an idea they quickly check they don't have to iterate with the manager or the partner right but go back and give them the answer with as much validation they can because anyway they are ready to test it out so it was quite interesting that way in in terms of uh, uh, our experience there so doing all this right like while uh, the traditional thing was there being entrepreneurial and trying out all of this right and i was allowed to do all of this uh, right was super uh, uh, experience that i had while i was there so why would a startup need mckinsey i mean you know traditional organizations typically use consultants for change management but i mean you know what was the mandate from these uh, unicorn startups so basically um, most of the consulting answers or at least strategy consulting answers are on long term bets and choices to be made right uh, so it is it is lesser about uh, program managing something versus decision making on certain choices right for example uh, if a startup is trying to get to profitability uh, right so they are growing at let's say 100% or 300% and they want to get to profitability one answer is chipping away slowly right or the other answer is how do i think about all the available options for a for a startup to turn profitable right and maybe because i'm neck deep in execution and in a way of execution i'm not thinking about all the options now where do these option comes from could be i mean and i'm saying if i bring in a mckinsey or a bcg into this context this option could come from let's say my experience with other similar kind of companies or a cross section of companies right so 
for an e-commerce player maybe i could have said hey i've seen retail in retail i've improved category category margins for a certain set of companies like this is that relevant in e-commerce then uh, there is this whole pool of experts that you have access to as mckinsey both internal to mckinsey and external to mckinsey alums etc and all over the world right so let's say in the us who are ahead of us in some of these sectors what have they done to do it and how can i uh, translate that to an indian context and then give you the answer right so so that could be uh, this thing uh, there could be a pure answer on cost cutting right there could be org restructuring plus cost cutting right and i i take a very first principles approach to this instead of going into the other expertise that i have and say this is what is minimum needed to for you to deliver this quality above this is additional cost can you look at forming a smaller team to do this or using lesser resources to do this now you are a cloud player or you are using uh, uh, the cloud uh, for hosting your data can you have data centers in house what it will do is it'll be capex upfront but ongoing basis your gross margins will improve right so i mean there could be multiple answers to a question but that's what is relevant so i wouldn't say uh, consultants are not relevant to a startup the only way is the delivery model of certain consultants might not be relevant because the problem statements are exactly the same right like if a large company or a startup is looking at three things right growth profitability or like uh, sustenance right long uh, right? like long long term sustenance uh, right so how do you think about that like is the same problem statement wherever you go the way you approach that solution uh, in a startup is let's test 10 things right um, generally in a more traditional segment because change management is tougher they'll say okay let's come up with the best answer possible and do it it might also fail but i am trying to have a much higher burden of proof to be uh, successful hmm 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 yeah in a startup the burden of proof is much lower so how did uh, you said the, this uh, startup engagement kind of led to darwin box uh, tell me about that so i think uh, two things uh, one uh, the whole startup engagement started making me think about digital and uh, we started doing a lot more work in mckinsey about digital right because you could clearly see that the traditional sectors are getting disrupted by startups and uh, how do we help traditional sectors move with digital both to customer facing and their internal operation optimization through digital was something as a concept we brought in saying this is something that we want to serve on right so so that's something that was very evident when we worked with these startups right because the pace at which which they were doing things uh, right and changing behaviors right like buying online or food delivery or anything right payments right the pace at which these things were changing the older way of doing things would be disrupted which means the traditional companies had to catch up or do better in terms of this right so that was one the other thing uh, that was uh, uh, exciting was the energy uh, akshay uh, right the energy of startups was just infectious right like uh, it's it's crazy how people are so uh, uh, excited about the problem they are solving that i mean you don't have a window of uh, 
saying okay i am going to step back and chill for some time or my promotion is due not due whatever right like all those large company problems don't come in right like everybody is focused on getting something's done and building that was uh, i mean was great for those entrepreneurs and it was very infectious in terms of just being there so those are the two reasons why the uh, thought of or the seed of darwin box happened and I'll, i'll come to why that happened right so while i was doing this digital work uh, right and again none of this led me to say hey i want to be an entrepreneur right it just led me to say i want to do this kind of work which is digital high energy kind of work and uh, when when uh, we started doing this digital work etc then i started exploring products right uh, because we were helping clients uh, digitize different different aspects of their businesses so the natural answer was let's look at products that they can bring in which they will use to go there right like uh, loyalty products or uh, operational products or crms or hrmss or all of that right so so that's where the introduction to this happened and interestingly around the same time uh, jayant uh, is a childhood friend of mine and uh, both of us used to talk about what are the ways we can go back and settle in hyderabad <laughs> right and and this is not related to entrepreneurship right because there was a crib session where we were like hyderabad doesn't have consulting firms hyderabad doesn't have like all the kinds of jobs that a mumbai has i was in mumbai he was in delhi he was a banker at constant young and uh, then uh, when i was doing this digital work and uh, i just pinged him saying hey uh, why don't you see these products so simple but so expensive right and that's the line right so simple and so expensive right and uh, at that point of time jayan's uh, wife was in isb b school uh, so he was also in that mode of saying okay let me uh, should i take a break and figure out what to do next etc and when this thought came up he basically picked that up and developed it into what we have today right like as a as a thought right like okay when we look at systems uh there are three fundamental systems of record right which is your finance system which is your accounting software um your people system which is your hrms and uh, your uh, customer system which is your crm so these are the three databases every company will have every large company will have now what we were looking at was okay hrms is the only system which touches every employee in an organization right and it just felt the, the thought of it felt very powerful and when we looked at the market nobody was leveraging that a lot of people viewed hrms as a database right and uh, so when we when we did a little bit of more detailing on this to understand why is that case etc and while we were doing this we figured we didn't know hr <laughs> right we didn't understand that function fully that's where uh, jayant uh, was a colleague of uh, chaitanya was a colleague of jayant uh, at ey and he was uh, he was very even same uh, uh, tenure and he was very good at hr right he was a hr functional consultant uh, people advisory services and we got him on board to discuss some of these again saying okay like is there a functional depth that we need to solve for is there experience that we need to solve for and the good thing is uh, actually all three of us had access to enterprises because our experience was dealing with enterprises so we went and spoke to like 50 among the three of us 50 clients chros 
and ask them what is the problem what are you using today uh, right why do you like this why do you not like this and what came out consistently akshay was everybody at this at least in the larger companies had a system but nobody was happy with it uh, right and when when we started digging deeper etc so they spent a lot of money all that was also happening but uh, basically right whatever you were setting up the system for the objectives were not being solved for right people were talking about data insights analytics etc but at the root of it people were not using systems what was the gap there was it a, a ui problem was it a functionality problem was it a cost problem like you know what were the gaps in the existing it was not a cost problem right and that was one of the things that actually encouraged us to do this right because see one of the first hypotheses we said was maybe people were not ready to pay for software which is why these companies are not using software but everybody was using right we were talking to the larger enterprises all of them were using even the smaller ones were not uh, but uh, if you look at the root of the problem the two main things came out right so one was the usability right people were using systems like swiggy facebook uh, flipkart uber etc in their day to day lives and when you go into a office to either write your performance review or give interview feedback or apply for a leave these systems were this old database looking systems and you don't remember passwords most of them didn't even have a mobile app you had to log into your web and do certain things and like i mean and then we reflected on what we were using and we didn't remember as well right at mckinsey why what we were using also right like i don't even remember applying for a leave or ex- enjoying an experience right uh, so so that's where uh, we said okay one of the things that we figured was how do we make the experience of using the system and especially because it's a system which is used by everybody in the organization right from the ceo to the last level intern who's joined the organization the experience has to be like a consumer because they are not one archetype right they are not all sales folks or all finance folks who understand certain things everybody is different based on the role they play so you need to think about design in a way you think about a consumer product you can't have overly complex stuff you can't have too many clicks right uh, most of the time people are applying for one day leaves right you make that one click or two clicks all of that right so so that was one big gap we saw right which is how do you consumerize this whole experience because people are not using people are not the adoption levels of the product were like 30% 40% at a 30 40% adoption level you won't get any insights out of the analytics right because analytics data is coming from the individuals right he's applying for a leave they're writing certain feedback they're rating people certain things they're giving interview feedback etc those are the inputs you need for the analytics to be this thing right only great analytics won't solve for it so that was one the second thing that we figured was uh, the systems were very rigid and rigidity came out of one legacy which is they were built like this large monoliths which are not flexible and second the road maps were decided for the us where a lot of things run on best practice all right versus when you look at asia or india as a context which were we were experiencing there are a lot of reasons why a certain process is set up right because of power distance because of whatever right censorship right organizations right like promoter run companies are different from mncs are different from public listed companies they were all very different right so you i mean nobody was solving for those contexts so what used to happen is there used to be this global players who used to come in and say hey uh, this is not best practice so you change your practice then two things happen right either you change your practice and it doesn't stick because it doesn't it's not culturally relevant 
or they do it offline which means the again digital adoption is not happening they didn't want to change the process so they can't put it on the system so they were doing it offline so basically yeah so all of this was resulting in uh, people not using systems or not liking systems or the value of systems not coming out hmm. so like your insight was that there were two things one is user interface needed to be more intuitive like the mobile apps that people were using and second was the tools were not customized to the yeah so they were not configurable and the the advantage we had with hindsight uh, akshay in this case was basically there were a lot of systems which built custom workflow builders and then there were hr systems right we wanted to bring those of both of that together how can you build custom workflows with the hr context right and again it's a benefit of hindsight right and i'm not saying that this is a genius idea it was just bringing together multiple things that work right and there were so many new technologies right attendance through check in uh, right uh, applying for a leave through voice and these were all consumer technologies that have come up right small small consumer elements of features that have come up and we were seeing how we can bring that on to hrms right one of my pet peeve at mckinsey used to be uh, these bills right like when i used to come back from africa i used to have this reimbursement bills right i used to have this big envelope of bills i had to sort it out or give it to somebody to sort it out and then it was applied for etc on a web system which i had to down I mean, take pictures upload on a laptop and do it right and i used to think as soon as i take, get a bill why can't i just take a picture from a mobile then? and then we like yeah and on mobile right and it is not just about mobile ocr technology exists right why can't your mobile or when you take the picture read and fill up certain fields right date total amount name of the vendor were all very clear there used to very very standard places that they are in and now gst for example right they are all in standard places so why can't i fill those fields up as soon as the picture is uploaded and whatever is rest i can fill it up reasons for application and all of those things right or project code etc and that was again because ocr as a technology existed in consumer right uh, automatic word doc generations for example i need an address proof all the information is on the system but what hr people were doing was like you write an email they take a word document remove the name paste the name remove, copy the address from somewhere and put it right but why can't you just put it like your service the previous generation of hr folks needed to be mail merge experts because they used to create all these documents using excel and word through mail words and all that yeah correct correct so now like if you have to generate an offer letter i just have to put the ctc that's it right offer letter will go to the individual because the 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 breakup of the ctc into every element like basic hra will happen on its own the name and the details are coming from the candidate information during the recruitment process etc right so so that's i mean i mean that's where we saw an insight and what was interesting is people were happy about that they bought the costliest system but they were not looking at the out, outcomes right like when they said okay uh, so when you used to ask um, are you happy with your system yeah we have the best system right and sap apne paas sap hai oracle hai or this workday etc uh, then we used to be like are you happy with it or like is it good enough system is it driving outcome they used to be like who else is there right and then we said okay there is clearly an opportunity there is a problem to solve which we've experienced we've seen our clients experience right people are buying it's not like people are not buying so there is clearly an opportunity 
little did we know uh, is that oh we need to think about market size and all that at that point of time we were just like okay there is a clear problem these 50 people i spoke to at least i can sell to right um, of course the next level of iteration was building the product bringing it to market and all of that uh, but what was interesting in this whole process uh, akshay was um, the idea that okay i need to think about market size etc we never had right we just said okay we'll build this out etc and we started building there's no this thing right we were like okay let's jump did you all quit your jobs and started building it or like yeah, you know? yeah. so in sequence basically like jayant quit first then chaitanya quit and then i quit basically we were finishing off our last projects at ey and mckinsey and as soon as we finished we were quitting right like we were informed all three of us informed at the same time but we quit as projects none of you were like developers as such so you would have to spend money higher developers or higher in agency and all that so so you put in your own savings into building the product so two things happened again one uh, we spoke to one investor at that point of time which is where the realization dawned upon us saying okay two things <laughs> two big realizations right one they said um, nobody has built for asia right if you're building for the us i'll invest asia is not a large enough market right so that came first all right second they said oh there are a ton of hrmss you will not be able to differentiate it's very saturated as a market right so then we realized hey i mean we've never thought about these two questions as much let's take some time to answer these questions and the second one we had to believe it ourselves right because in our head this was this super consumer app which would make things easy etc but we were not sure if that will be translated right and we didn't want to escalate commitment where we raise money and then we are like forced to do it when we don't know the answer for these two things so we said okay anyway we have decent amount of savings let's hire people and start building this up right 6 months down the line we'll know if the product is coming across as the one we thought because we can take this back to those 50 clients and say does this work better right like do you like this better than what you have so that is one thing we could do uh, the second bit of it was we will also be more clear about this market size and all those answers by that time so three of us put in our savings um, and then uh, for the first 7 months we built out we got our first two three clients uh, right uh, and that's when we raised money after that as in uh, i think towards end of 2015 is when you started working so by when did you get your first client on board and uh, you know get validation so uh, yeah so 2015 end we started building the product uh, 2016 march was when the product was out right one module of the product was out because we wanted to build an end to end product and which is like a beast in itself right so we picked up one module which is most bought the attendance one yeah yeah time and attendance leaves and attendance because we said okay everybody needs this right you might not do a performance review for your organization but time and attendance people will buy right so so that's what we did first when we went into the market in march then we got in a few smaller clients uh, mostly internet companies as the first ones we went after and it resonated there but we didn't have a sense of are will this work with traditional organizations at that point of time but traditional organizations were a little more reluctant at the start because one of the questions they asked us was because we we thought we had money uh, at that point actually so we were like okay let's spend a little more time get some traditional organization most traditional organizations ask the question saying if you shut down tomorrow what then 
because i'm putting i mean two things happening i'm putting all my data on you uh, second uh, i am uh, encouraging all my employees to use this tomorrow if you shut down i have to move them to another system it is like a black mark for me as a hr person right and that's when we said okay maybe the it's time to raise money for two reasons one it'll help us accelerate faster on product building etc other modules and second it just gives validity hmm, credibility yeah credibility validity to the market saying okay these guys are there for the long haul or at least foreseeable long haul right and that's when uh, we raised money from satish from india partners uh, and satish is is very strongly entrepreneur led right like uh, my conversation with him the first conversation itself he was like uh, i am interested i want to see um uh, what you guys are doing on the product and meet your other co-founders and uh, then he came down to our office uh, we gave an extended break to the rest of the team because we didn't have place uh, <laughs> break. so they came down and then we had the conversation by the end of the conversation he said i'm interested uh at the same time we were also speaking to mohandas pai 314 uh again mohandas pai uh, the interesting fact was he was the cfo and chro of infosys right so he was relevant in a way where he understood what it takes to sell to enterprises because he took the money out and he also knew as a chro what was needed right so his conversation as well before that we spoke to his team etc uh, pranav and all uh, but when we went to him he asked us three questions and luckily enough we spoke we thought about all three questions in the past and uh, we answered them for him right how we thinking about the product etc right and uh, then he came on board as well and that brought a lot of uh, credibility because these were names that were known uh, right and uh, then there was uh, uh, smaller other funds which had people in their lps who were credible so we used that credibility a lot saying they've invested they understand this when we went to the traditional logs internet companies understood it much better right like for example delivery paytm swiggy okay before your early customers early customers right delivery was our first large customer at that point of time uh, right and uh, all of these uh, entrepreneurs and thanks to them right i think uh, uh, they've done like a major service to the ecosystem where they encouraged a lot of products right uh, sahil arsha vijay all of them uh, right uh, were very welcoming and the good thing was uh, the they resonated well with the idea of completely being on mobile their workforce being very mobile friendly right mobile centric and the app being very uh, mobile friendly was what worked uh, right and then i think then we went on uh, and that fundraise at least we did a little bit of uh, reaching out to investors identifying and all of that right so i was doing this where i was reaching out to people and i was doing it for the first time right fundraising uh, myself you right? were the fundraise person in the team i was the fundraise person yeah yeah i was the designated fundraise person so uh, so we were figuring out how to raise ye wo all of those things and uh, uh, all that luckily after that uh, next all rounds all three rounds that we've had after that were started with an inbound uh right so at least in that sense uh, all my learnings about fundraising came from the first one of course there are different learnings around uh, not having only inbound and having a few investors before you raise money all those things after that but the first one was quite an experience in itself because again it's the rejection story right uh, uh most people said uh, hey uh, 
enterprise taking on sap oracle is painful uh, they will destroy you uh, they said asia might not be a large enough market they said hrms is super saturated they also said uh, why are you in hyderabad you won't get talent right and our reason for hyderabad was very simple yeah. all three of us were telugus uh, right uh, and had family connections here i, I was born and brought up here both of them were in from vijayawada and gutur but had like jayanth had his in laws chetan had his extended family in hyderabad etc and we said okay i mean food shelter is taken care of then you can focus on business is what our logic was right and uh, that's where uh, hyderabad was the answer but on the all the other things we had strong conviction because we experienced it more than anything else right like we could i mean uh, it felt like those b school presentations at the start right because there were investors who were saying give projections of how indian market will change right and like these are all curve balls for me right like because i was like okay okay you don't know so in the us for example you know exactly how many installations each product has right uh, so the transparency of data is so high versus in india there was no clarity around how many companies have more than 500 employees at that point of time right and then we triangulated over time we figured this out but uh, at that point of time this was 2016 right there was not so much conversation about anything to do with saas right there were not too many enterprise companies focusing on india asia to have data to have i mean capillary was the only other um, saas company which was focused on this part of the world right so you had very few data points to pick off and learn from right so uh, yeah the initial fundraising felt like that uh, b school presentations how did you get into the room like uh, was it through introductions or just cold emails or what no like? that's where the mckinsey network helps a lot uh, akshay actually so they were extremely helpful uh, right uh, so most of the vcs had at least one or two associates from mckinsey uh right who who at least gave you certain intro to uh, i mean at least were ready to listen to our story take us to the partner etc or there was networks right like uh, um, i was introduced to uh, satish through uh, one of the partner in mckinsey i worked with uh, right and these introductions are helpful because of course they come with certain level of credibility right because uh, somebody has worked with you and is vouching for you as an individual and in a seed stage it is about the individual right there is nothing in the business to really uh, uh, talk about while introducing so that was helpful um, and then uh, yeah i think uh, that was how uh, much did you raise in that uh, initial uh, we raised about 4 uh, crores if i remember right yeah this is a lot of money for us right like i think uh, i think when we start off with your own money right you are much more efficient and smarter with money right so we were very clear about i mean i mean we've been frugal through maybe because of that first 8 months of spending our own money right because it just became natural for us to negotiate right in any very situation right not spend a lot of time but definitely negotiate on everything uh, right uh, check on what is necessary what is unnecessary etc right so some of those things uh, are ingrained even today but at that point even 4 crores was useful because again saas as a business is not a cash guzzler right and uh a lot of people used to ask us and that was the way we used to separate out people who understood saas from who didn't or enterprise saas was like if you raise more can you do more right so if you raise 2x can you do 2x revenue in 6 months or 8 months but in early stage that cannot be possible right because you are building out the product right today we will be in a better position to answer that question because there is clear 
product market fit we can just go into another market and start selling earlier rather than later and it helps you grow faster but at an early stage uh, if somebody is asking you that question they have not invested in saas before or don't understand saas uh, well enough before and we got lucky especially with folks like satish and then dev from lightspeed etc both of them ran their own uh, software companies in the past in the us so that was extremely helpful because they had the context of what it takes to build and what it takes to sell to enterprises all right so those that was also helpful okay so from that uh, single leave in attendance how did the product evolve so i think on product now we are an end to end suite uh, akshay so we do from the first touch point of a candidate to an organization which is recruitment uh to the whole recruitment applicant tracking system the whole onboarding experience once the person joins the organization the whole workflows right like a confirmation transfer all those workflows uh leave attendance payroll performance management uh employee engagement rewards recognition travel and expense so it's quite a wide um spectrum in terms of the touch points in an employee life cycle that we touch of course all companies don't buy all the modules uh, so we are very modular that way about 50% of our clients use the full suite there are others which use a part of the product right only performance management only leave and attendance only recruitment etc but what uh, has been consistent in principle for us uh, while building this out akshay is one at the start itself we knew that it's going to go broad so we built a lot of microservices which is i use the same email notification right same workflow builder same form builder etc across all my modules so the experience is consistent and also it's easier to build and maintain these things right so so i think that was one second design as a philosophy uh, right it has to be on mobile it can be completely handled on mobile because today uh, across a 1 million people who use the platform across 500 plus clients 30% of them never use a laptop because these are field sales force manufacturing folks etc so they will completely do everything on mobile if you look at any of our uh, uh, the global systems right they they do mobile as a way to do the frequently used transactions which means the assumption is that everybody has a laptop but when you have to apply for a leave which is a very frequently used transaction you want to do it on the go and you do mobile for us the philosophy is that there are people who don't have a laptop which means even a once in a lifetime activity like resignation should happen on mobile because if you do only some of them then when that person has to resign where does that person go right then they reach out to hr and then they fill out a paper form right again you are bringing back the offline uh, part of the world right so i think that something that uh, that helped us two ways right one of course penetrating the asia market and the second one was the same companies which used to use different products right like the sap's oracles or of the world used to do it only for their white collar employees now the number of employees within an organization using the platform also increased because we just made it easier for more people in the organization to use it <laughs> right right so what did you price it at i mean uh, you know like the initial pricing and the pricing today like tell me about the pricing strategy and journey 
yeah so in a in a more uh, saturated market or uh, established market actually generally the norms around pricing are set right so uh, we could disrupt that but generally the per employee per month model which is i charge by employees number of employees in your organization and number of modules you are using is a standard which has been established by the existing players right so so we didn't disrupt that too much i think it's something like what 1 dollar per employee correct so we started off with 1 dollar per employee per month now we are at like 3 dollars and in different countries it's different so 3 dollars is when they have a full suite yes or yes. is it per module no no it's it's when they have a full suite okay hmm. and again this is this is again for larger organizations smaller ones is much more expensive much larger ones as lesser cost all of those things mm-hmm. volume discount and all yeah yeah so we used to be at like 40 50% of the sap oracle cost initially now we are almost equal to their price uh, right now, of course we have to build the uh, brand and presence etc so we would be uh, off by 10 15% but all, in a lot of deals we are similar in terms of cost as well wow that's amazing okay so uh, and uh, tell me about the fundraise journey also so the first funding was 4cr and uh, uh, like are you at liberty to tell me what valuation you got at that time and how that valuation also changed over the subsequent rounds i'm actually trying to remember i think it was about uh, 3 million hmm. yeah i think around 3 3 and a half million uh, uh, valuation how much in crores uh, around 20 25 20 crores okay okay hmm. yeah right and and then how long did that last the 4 crore no that i mean uh, it it was like So 2016 June we raised, and we had almost half the money in the bank when uh, uh, we had a inbound interest from one of the investors, and then uh, in that inbound interest we said, okay, maybe we are having a conversation with one investor. Let's have it to three other investors, and that's when light speed happened, uh, right? And uh, that's uh, where we raised four uh, million in that round, which is about 25 crores. Uh, hmm. Hmm. and what was the valuation then i think around uh, 20 something million right and then uh, uh, and then i think because that money was there uh, so this was 2017 june again that we raised uh, the next fundraise was sequoia uh, this was in 2019 uh, uh, from here i can't share the valuations but uh, <laughs> uh, right but uh, so 2019 we raised money from sequoia again it was inbound uh, because i knew we knew sequoia from uh, before right they were they were tracking us at one point uh, we were going to southeast asia so we launched southeast asia in 2019 end um, uh, so towards the end of 2019 and then we were like okay we want to raise money now so that it helps we still had some runway but we want to raise money now so that it helps our southeast asia expansion and uh, that's when uh, we started having conversations again uh, uh, with a set of investors of course some of them we knew from before right like we've been talking to investors all through uh, and uh, uh, through the journey and we didn't raise for two years so i mean investors also knew we would be raising around that time uh, right uh, but uh, what was uh, great was um, for southeast asia we were looking for an investor who had presence in that region and just being beyond right because our big focus about the fundraise because we were almost breaking even or profitable in india at that point 
right uh, big focus at that point was growth in other regions uh, right uh, and who could be relevant in other regions etc and who understand this global expansion and then sequoia was the best partner at that point of time um, and that's when uh, we uh, raised uh, money from sequoia post that uh, covid happened 2019 end was when we raised the money covid happened so we tightened our screws in terms of we were very conservative at the start of the covid cycle uh, and uh, which meant we didn't spend a lot of money from what uh, we raised so we raised uh, uh, about uh, 15 million from sequoia and 80% of that was still in the bank when uh, salesforce reached out to us uh, right uh, and salesforce i had met uh, somebody from the team in 2017 when i was in the us uh, but we've been in touch but uh, what salesforce was doing was a huge focus on saas in asia right so they hired um, they got uh, arundhati bhattacharya as their uh, uh, chairman in india who was the sbi chairman and all so there was a huge focus for S- for salesforce in this part of the world which also meant that they had to partner with or invest in companies which uh, probably have good presence here and uh, interestingly enough a lot of our clients like the tvss tatas and mahindras were using salesforce and they heard good things about us uh, uh from these clients and that's when they reached out saying okay we would like to do a small investment it's a very small investment that they've done um, um in the business they've done another 15 million at this point of time uh right uh, for a small ownership and it is from the salesforce ventures now so that was the last fundraising which closed like last uh, november uh, which we announced uh, this thing so that is the fundraising journey uh but the exciting part uh, and uh, we've been lucky i would definitely say lucky on this is the investors have been super relevant and uh, super understanding of a not so common journey right the most common saas journey in india was india us corridor right like building india selling the us and we were selling in asia where uh, right the market is opening up so what happens uh, akshay and this is something that um, we've observed Uh, is in any market the first thing to take off is the consumer if you look at technology is the consumer internet piece the second thing that will take off is saas if you look at the us right amazons of the world took off in late 90s and early 2000s in the salesforce work days of the world took off right and interestingly enough the first saas companies that take off are the horizontals right for a longest time the companies which had more than billion revenue were like salesforce workday and service now which cut across all sectors now it has become vertical software right as the as the market matures in the us there more and more vertical softwares and point solutions that are coming in right which is a similar journey that india is going through right um, you saw the boom of e-commerce and internet and food tech etc fintech now you are seeing the horizontal saas players take off right and this is india southeast asia all the developing markets right uh, right and then the sme saas will take off and then vertical software so it's a journey that they go through and in this journey right like we are we would probably be in the early cycle of this enterprise saas taking off in asia and when you are in the early journey you don't have benchmarks to look at and learn from right very few benchmarks to look at and learn from it makes it even more tougher for investors because for them to learn and give us inputs also is tough 
right because i mean for us we are going through it operationally experiencing it day in and day out but for an investor all the existing information that they have is from the us saas industry whether all of that is translatable or not is a big question right because the context could be very different buying behavior could be different the price points could be different the cost points could be different all that so you can just take a us benchmark and translate it interestingly enough we had very good benchmarks which are comparable with the us throughout but are we had pushback saying okay operationally this is not possible this is possible etc so i think that at least has been great we've been lucky where they've been patient with us as we see it out play it out share it with them and they've been able to add value in wherever that was necessary and the good thing is now right like uh, lightspeed is one of the largest inter- uh, investors in enterprise saas globally uh, right sequoia is invested in a ton of enterprise saas and salesforce is a saas player themselves right so our or probably whatever uh, i can call it investor uh, company fit is quite strong and we got lucky in that sense hmm. so uh, i want to know one thing what uh... what made you scale up when other similar companies have not scaled up the way you have so like you know you are saying mobile first easy to use configurable hrms and there are other companies also which so uh, have you heard of some hr i think they also started at a similar time or maybe before you also um then uh, they, 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 i mean there are a lot of these companies which are very regional players or have a small market like there's a company called candle which i think is mostly here in north india so you know i want to know what is your secret to scale why did you scale and other companies which had a similar approach not reach the kind of scale which you have i think it is it's a question of choices and focus uh, akshay so basically from day one and it is based on our experience of working with them we always wanted to be an enterprise software right and the design choices that you do when you want to be an enterprise software are very different from i will start with being an sme facing product and go up market right so the way you build the product right the architecture of the product the security standards that you maintain on the product because smes don't care as much about security but enterprises do right like the the cio will come in and test the security first before even if that passes muster only you will even evaluate the functionality right so uh, so we made investments in security like in the second year right which is unheard of in like saas right uh, so in terms of architecture in terms of this the kind of people we hire were people who can manage enterprises so for us it was always been from from the sales side or from the uh... all sales implementation customer success all of these are people we looked at people who can manage large projects because these are projects right these are companies which are used to let's say taking an sap and having a big four implement for them where there are three people sitting in their office and doing this right while we won't do the same model because we are faster and much simpler as a product we wanted to give an experience of the whole project management etc which was very similar right the kind of people we hired uh, was uh, correct and and the other big thing that we did uh, uh, akshay is for all our 550 plus clients our code base is the same so we've never made client specific customizations right so that again becomes a deterrent to scale for a lot of saas companies they'll be like okay here and now there is this revenue 
let's build this small thing for this client specifically right uh, not that we have not built things for clients but that is included into the product so that is available for all my clients so whatever we built into the product so today if you take any client of ours they have the same product the settings change which is why they experience the product differently you can do different settings and you can go into the settings and do that but consistently we've maintained that we'll have only one code base right so some of these are choices which are tough to make because when you start off your access to enterprises will be low versus access to sme will be high and when we explored that as well when we thought about it we said okay maybe we should do sme first etc but we realized that that's not a large enough market now or today in asia the enterprise market is big and growing faster than the sme market where there's a lot of work to be done in terms of the people getting used to technology doing it themselves the distribution model all these has to be figured out uh, right whereas enterprise that experience is there people have used a system or used some system so there's not too much work that needs to be done so i think what is the the choice of staying enterprise and doing all the things that are relevant for enterprise from day 1 and focusing on that has been tremendously helpful so i guess because all of you are from like a consulting background so you had a much stronger understanding of the kind of people needed to manage enterprise accounts how to sell how to open those doors with enterprise accounts what are the concerns that you need to cater to while building the product uh, that would have helped absolutely absolutely so across the board right in sales uh, it's a very consultative sell which means you need to identify a problem and tell them the solution rather than just talk about features uh, right in enterprises uh, second uh, just mapping out the client base right so uh it's not one decision maker there is a cio there is a chro there is a cfo there is a ceo in some cases who is involved in this decision making do we know all of them have we been able to present our best picture to all of them uh right so those as a choice then during implementation as i mentioned around project management making sure that uh visibility transparency is there uh bringing in all stakeholders change of processes communicated well enough change management all of that and in customer success uh doing business reviews every quarter talking about metrics that are moving all of this right uh, is something that um is very specific to enterprise and something that consulting teaches you very well right 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 hmm hmm okay so who handles sales among three of you so jayan takes care of sales and marketing uh chaitanya takes care of product and engineering and i take care of the rest of it so i do take care of delivery um finance hr and investor relations Hmm. So what is the approach to sales like you know how do you how does enterprise sales scale up i mean you know i i want to understand if you can share a playbook on selling to enterprises like how do you do that yeah i think i think about enterprises is uh, is about account based marketing and it's it's quite a very well known framework uh, so basically account based marketing is i know clearly that this is my universe of clients that i want to go after right if you take india today there are about uh, just india if you look there are about 11000 companies with more than 500 employees which are headquartered in india so i'm being so specific about how i define my range right uh, in these 11000 companies there are a certain sectors which are more amenable to taking a product or a cloud product versus the others right in that also based on in that sectors also 
there are certain set of companies which have experienced product already right through a competitor or through an on premise system or anything would be more willing to buy now i know the universe of these 11000 companies i know my priority 2000 companies and then within those 2000 companies i need to know who are the decision makers etc so once i get to the companies i need to know the list of people that i need to get to then i need to understand what are the things these people want to achieve with the product or what are the problems that these individuals leaders are facing with their existing system and then i start my communication whether it is through emailing calling uh, whether it is through uh, through trade shows networking events breakfasts whatever are those or uh, connections right you you figure out somebody who you know is connected to them so that is how you basically map out every single person and then um, you you create a deal out of it right sometimes you create a deal where they start evaluating you just because you you shown something to them that can happen immediately or you are in touch with them that when the natural cycle of they want to buy comes you are the first one they'll consider right so in enterprise that's different right like so we like we we have a sign up page on uh, the platform uh, right on the website and uh, on the sign up page most people who sign up are companies which are smaller than 500 employees so you understand the difference right so it's a lot of inbound post branding that happens with smes and smaller companies right but for enterprises it is generally outbound so no enterprise or very rarely enterprises google which are the hrms is right 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 they they get enough vendors chasing them they have enough vendors chasing them there are enough people within the company who have experienced certain partners anywhere right so i have um, i have a hr associate in my team who's worked with sy xyz company who's used davinbox that person will say we use davinbox there it helps you do this so you automatically reach out saying hey um, right either you know a person who's reached out to earlier or you you put it on the website or you reach out to somebody saying hey we are looking at davinbox we want to evaluate right so uh, in enterprise it's all about um, account based marketing so you know what is your universe by the company right uh, in sme it's a little different where you shoot out stuff you do branding you do search ads right you do banners where people are looking and then this thing right and so a lot of work needs to happen in enterprise marketing also on content right uh, why do we do content is basically when people are looking for something right so last year uh, we had a lot of success with content we built around how to think about hybrid work or remote work right so we were the first to bring out something in terms of so we spoke to all our clients who who are in manufacturing who are in tech etc where we we saw all of that in terms of people who are forced to be in the manufacturing setup or in hospitals they had to deal with their employees very differently from people who could actually manage work from home right and so we had a learning from a plethora of clients which we consolidated as content saying okay if you have to do this this is the kind of communication you need to send out if you want to do this this is the kind of communication you need to send out okay once you do remote how do we make sure daily check ins are happening how do we ensure new joinings are happening how do we ensure employee onboarding has happening right so 
both in terms of having those features on product and putting out a content we were ready so when when people looked for saying okay a new hr person or a young hr person as a, i mean everybody was experiencing the uh, pandemic for the first time they are trying to find out what other companies are doing so we had a content ready where people could read and i could also talk about hey you should use technology in these areas and not in these areas now what technology to use maybe i'll have a recall that hey darwin box has said this maybe they have something right so there's a lot of work in content then there's a lot of work in the trade events right so you have these large hr events that happen uh, conferences where people come to talk and then younger hr folks come to listen so this is there is this uh, shrm event there is a people matters event etc where uh, let's say a thousand two thousand hr folks come in right you have a senior chros speaking on panels uh, and then there are trade shows and fairs where we can put up a booth etc and what you're doing there is basically highlighting its awareness uh, part of uh, the marketing channel right like where um, if you think about i want to be known to as many people as possible with my proposition right oh darwin box is an end to end software is something that i want that person to take back so if you take if you take the whole funnel majority of the people will okay remember darwin box saying okay when i think about a hrms this probably is something i want to look at there will be some people who are actually actively evaluating hrms they can come to the booth and see the product right there will be existing customers also there who are trying to understand about what are the new features that are coming and all of that right we communicate directly also but there also right so this gives you an opportunity to talk to a lot of people the other bit of it is you get a good sense of what are the asks that are coming right so in one place in 3 days a lot of people are coming and saying hey do you have a chatbot hey do you have this feature hey do you can you do continuous feedback hey can you do 360 feedback so you know you get a pulse of the market you also get a sense of pulse of the competitors right what are the things that are being most uh, liked or uh, where are the people getting most excited about right so are there features that are there are there partnerships that we can do with them all of that so so the whole events and conferences bit which completely changed over the last one year to online uh, is another big channel of marketing right uh, so uh, that's how enterprise differs from an sme context okay so uh, my last question to you is on going international so uh, you know do you change the product and the features when you go international like you know what's the playbook for a saas company who initially started in india and is now going into other countries yeah so i think the uh, interesting part for us akshay was southeast asia was very similar to india right except for singapore Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, Thailand behave very much like India. So the configurability that we built in actually solves for 95% of the problems for them as well, right? And we are competing with the same set of SAP Workday Oracle even in those regions, right? And that's uh, context-wise is very similar. There will be 5% builds that we have to do which is very regulatory. For example, in Indonesia the um, the leaves that you get depends on the number of kids you have. you have to capture that information and link it to that right uh, so singapore you need to capture a certain information before new employment which is very different right so those kind of things are things which are regulatory and you have to do those 5% for every country you go into but when you decide to go to a new country do you first hire a like a hr subject matter expert first to customize the product or like how do you go about so there are uh, two ways that happens one is uh, 
in in a lot of times uh, we have existing clients who have presence right so uh, those are the more more accepting of any questions that we have right so we go to the clients and ask them hey like if you use this product are there any gaps that you see right there are clients who are already using it there are clients who have not extended it to all countries and only are in india for example right so we go to their counterparts in those countries and talk about okay what are the things that you need uh, specifically on the product and this is our product and uh, so you do a little bit of problem solving with uh, with the uh, client the second is you don't hire someone but you get uh, a partner or a consultant just for the compliance bits right so for example in india does aadhar is visible or encrypted is a compliance question right similarly certain numbers visibility and all of those are compliance questions and these are things that are built once in the system right so we don't need this person to be there throughout so we get in a consultant etc but our model about serving clients has always been local uh, uh, akshay so for example we have a team in in indonesia in philippines in vietnam in singapore uh, so the sales and client facing roles which is customer success implementation are local for us product marketing engineering etc are centralized that's been working well for us because even in enterprise again it it varies because of uh, the post pandemic situation but um, in person meetings are important right once in a while at least in enterprise right because some of the context changes in enterprise are not always communicated so you you should be there to understand so uh, it's better to have a local team of course in this remote context it is more interesting on how we manage that it's actually made our life easier in terms of launching countries uh, because all, we used to always be in a mode of hire someone there to launch a country hmm. open an office yeah so that used to be the case now we are launching much faster countries uh, and we are open to like uh, taking uh, clients from multiple parts of the world there are people because of the salesforce investment etc who are interested from all parts of the world to have a look at the product so that is coming inbound itself and now we are ready to serve them because the expectation is not to be in person or be next to them so uh, we are more comfortable with this whole remote mode of working so that's working so that was how rohit built and scaled darwin box if you are also looking for a superior hr experience for the employees in your organization then do check out darwinbox.com like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u n .in for a complete list of all our shows